Welcome in everyone and thank you for listening to the 177th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great, Cameron. Thank you for asking. Oh, no problem. Did a nice job of that on that intro. Oh, thanks. Done it a few times now. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't even have to look at my paper anymore. I don't really? Even, I don't even have to write it down. Wow. Yeah. Nice job. I just write down welcome in. So I just remember how it starts. And then, <laughs> then just like a muscle like a puzzle. memory. Yeah, oh, yeah. It all just fits in. Yeah. Well, how you been? Oh, great. How about you? Uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing really well. Um, what do we have to talk about this week? There's uh, more transfer news. It's mm-hmm. football off season, So that kind of stuff is all in the news right now. Uh, more coaching reshuffling. Uh, on the football team we'll talk about that a little bit and then uh it's kind of a roller coaster with the basketball team so we will i guess try to figure out is this team actually good maybe probably not but we'll try to figure it out but before we do any of that don't forget to subscribe on youtube um check out our patreon page where you can support us directly patreon.com slash missouri sports pod um we have a patreon supporter named daddy jd and he congratulations to him because he took home the championship in the first ever missouri sports podcast patreon supporter exclusive fantasy football league um i who who was like was it ben that was like yes dominating the entire season yeah and then gets to the championship game and jd just took it away from him snatched it right from him yeah um congratulations daddy you persisted through the through the season and yeah. you were the best when it mattered it's a marathon not a sprint uh ben i'm sorry it had to end that way you had like the one of the best fantasy football teams i think i've ever seen in my life but that's how it goes so uh we promised everybody there would be a prize for the champion so jd is getting a 50 dollar tiger team store tiger team store gift card that we'll be sending to him digitally he doesn't even know that's coming yet <laughs> so maybe he'll find out by listening to this merry christmas um we will send that his way and so keep an eye out next football season you're going to want to join that and uh, potentially take home a nice prize like that yourself I'm talking to you kyle i could only hope to do something <laughs> like that someday <laughs> um let's jump into some news uh we talked about the transfers coming into the mizzou football program to some extent last week um, so we're not going to talk about each of these guys in depth there were a few players that we weren't sure if they were coming to mizzou, to mizzou yet and now there are some players coming that are kind of surprises that we didn't really hear much about until they announced their commitment so we've basically already touched on uh, drayden norwood the defensive back from texas a&m Jaden uh, Jernigan, the defensive tackle from Oklahoma State, and Joseph Charleston, the defensive back from Clemson. Anything to add on the three of them? Look like some uh, contributors there on the defensive side. Yeah, Jernigan for sure will be um, most likely a starter on yeah. defensive tackle. Seems like it. Um, then we did talk about Nathaniel Pete, running back from Stanford. But there was that was a little bit more speculation at the time, but now it has been confirmed he is coming to Mizzou. He was kind of a kickoff, uh, like special teams specialist um, at Stanford. Really, really successful in kick returns. 
Um, so that's obviously something that we hope he will bring to Mizzou, but also um, no reason to think he won't be uh, involved in the running back rotation as well. Yeah, when you think about uh, obviously what Missouri has in the running back room after Tyler Beatty, there was uh, there was talent there, but it didn't really seem like there was anybody that was kind of a go-to um, guy in that room. So uh, it's definitely wide open for Pete to come in and, and compete for the – wow, how about that? Pete compete. Nathaniel Pete is going to compete. Yep. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> I do think that he could maintain some of those um, kickoff duties, but maybe do kind of a Marcus Murphy where he's returning and also maybe getting some running back carries. So uh, he's a great athlete, though, um, very fast, powerful runner. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can bring. Originally from Columbia, Missouri, yes. formerly teammates with uh, Martez Manuel. Correct. It's a little bit of a reunion there. Uh, then this kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, former Missouri Tiger Dylan Spencer is transferring back to Mizzou. He had previously transferred from Missouri to Jackson State, and now he's back, folks. Yeah, uh, that was a, that was definitely a surprise. Was uh, Dylan Spencer coming back? Um, he had to. He, I think he did the Jackson State thing before. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but he he also lives in, in Mississippi. I think that's where he's from. So it um, it became too trendy. And he's like, now nah, I'm out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but he, he I mean he played some meaningful snaps as a freshman uh, for Mizzou on the offensive line. So obviously a guy that's very capable of coming in and getting some good um, playing time um, immediately. Uh, okay. Then another one, uh, Tyrone Hopper. Um, he has played both the defensive end and like, um, pass rushing outside linebacker, uh, in his time at North Carolina. Um, and he is transferring to Missouri. I think the graphic that they post the, that the team posted said defensive end. Correct. But, uh, he, I don't know. He seems versatile. He can probably, you know, play stand up edge rush defensive end or, um, slide back into that outside linebacker position, which it's nice to have that flexibility. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, really all these guys, when, when you're looking at um, upperclassmen, especially like transfers, you just expect these guys to potentially come in and, and play right away. And I, I would definitely expect that from Tyrone Hopper too. I mean, it does seem like our defensive ends are maybe a little more plentiful than other positions. So, uh, I mean, we I still think we are desperately need another linebacker we desperately need another t- uh, tight end, but yeah. um, it doesn't. It definitely doesn't hurt. This guy has been in college football for a very long time. I think he's in his sixth or seventh year as a college football player, which is almost unbelievable. Yeah. So um, Power Mizzou tweeted uh, an interesting nugget that he committed to North Carolina before the start of Gary Pinkle's final season coaching the Missouri Tigers, and now he will be playing for Missouri. Not under Gary Pinkle, not under Barry Odom, but under Eli Drinkwitz. In his third season. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's insane. I can't even wrap my mind around that. Um, then one last name, um, Bence Polger, a offensive lineman from Buffalo, is joining the team. Yes. So, uh, yeah, as many people as we can add to the trenches on either side of the ball. Mm-hmm. bring him on yeah he plays center so uh very possibly could be the replacement for michael mayetti and i mean michael mayetti was the greatest possible transfer you could possibly imagine um 
coming. He played two years, obviously, with his COVID year mm-hmm. and was, a, what, like third-team All-American this yeah. year or something? That's just absolutely wild. So um, that was about best-case scenario that you could ever hope for for a transfer. But um, obviously that – so those are big shoes to fill. Um, but I would also think that Connor Tolleson could, could factor in there at, at center. So Robbie Tolleson and Polgar are, are looking at the, the center position for next year. Mm. Man, if he could even come close to uh, what Michael Mayetti uh, contributed in his two seasons, that would be incredible. Um, and then I mentioned uh, a little bit of coach reshuffling. So Mizzou is adding uh, former Texas State offensive coordinator Jacob Peeler. He will be now the wide receivers coach at Mizzou. And uh, Bush Hamden, who is already on the, the staff, will now be uh, solely the quarterback's coach for Missouri. Um, so backing up a little bit to Peeler, uh, he, like I said, Texas State offensive coordinator most recently. Uh, before that, he did um, coach at Mississippi State, and he um, is considered um, the coach. He was the wide receivers coach when they had um, DK, DK Metcalf, Metcalf and Brown. Uh you know, for Tennessee, AJ Brown, AJ Brown, um, Elijah Moore. Yeah. He actually recruited Elijah Moore to Mississippi state. Um, and the tweet that I saw that was kind of introducing him to the Mizzou fans on Twitter, um, said that he is known for his recruiting acumen. Mm -hmm. So that sounds really good. A pretty nice list of wide receivers that he worked with at Ole Miss. Yeah. My gosh. Yeah. And he was like the lead recruiter for, uh, for more at Ole Miss. And I think he became, he like got co-offensive coordinator added to his title at Ole Miss before going to Texas State. And uh, so, yeah, it looks like, I don't know, interesting. I don't know. He's probably getting a a pay increase coming to Mizzou, but um, maybe a downgrade in actual title Mm -hmm. from OC to wide receivers coach. Get to work with a guy named Luther Burden, though. That's, that'll be good on a resume someday. Yeah, that, yeah. That sounds good to me. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's great. That's a great hire. Uh, I also love the the move of, of Bush Hamden uh, moving to QB coach. Obviously, uh, I'm sorry if you may have gone into this a little bit. I wasn't um, listening super closely. No, you got it. Um, I think that is great because it takes some of the responsibility away from Coach Drinkwitz. He was the co- he was the quarterback coach before um, in his first two seasons. So, you know, we've talked about it a couple times. Sometimes there's uh, maybe mild concern about Coach Drinkwitz and all the things he's managing at, at one time. He's calling the plays. He's the quarterback's coach. He's the head coach. Right. There's a lot on his plate, and so anything, any of those, you know, kind of smaller duties that we can pass off to somebody else that he doesn't have to worry about, in my opinion, is uh, is a big win. Yeah, this makes perfect sense. I mean, a lot of fans were calling for him to hire an actual offensive coordinator to actually take the play calling duties. Um, that seemed unrealistic, uh, just based on how uh Drinkwitz operates it really doesn't seem like that's something he t- intends on doing anytime soon but uh this is like the next best thing maybe in the eyes of some of those fans that wanted him to um you know take a little bit off his plate and yeah, this fine it makes sense that. to me I'm fine with him maintaining the OC role I mean I think he's a young head coach he's gonna kind of figure out some of the I mean he's he's still I think in my opinion he's still learning how to be a good in-game coach and uh, i think he'll figure that out as we go and uh, it'll it'll slow down for him yeah i agree um now 
we are losing a coach. This is it's been a little bit of a revolving door, honestly, in uh, Coach Drinkwitz's short time at Mizzou so far. Um, a lot of assistants and position coaches getting hired away to other programs, and um, Coach Fletcher, the de- the defensive backs coach, is leaving Mizzou for Arizona State, same position and everything. Um, so yeah, that was a little interesting. Um, I mean, almost always. Uh, when a guy's leaving an SEC program as a position coach, he's moving up to be, uh, you know, a, a coordinator or something like that somewhere right. else, maybe at a lower level. But um, this was very much just what seems like on the surface a lateral move uh, career-wise, and so uh, maybe there were some things going on that he he preferred um, at Arizona State. And yeah, I they, didn't really look into it to see if he has any big connections or anything there. And obviously, you know, it, we were pretty in on um a caleb evans and ali green um, before the season um last summer and you know i don't know maybe he was kind of hired to recruit those guys and that job was was done and maybe it was just time to move on to something to something else yeah i mean that's not unheard of to like hi put a guy at a um a, give a guy a position coach job with great uh, connections yeah um, and you know, obviously he was a good position coach regardless. Right. I think he's a good coach. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't hired just because he could connect us with those two guys. But, but if you're looking at a few different candidates and one of them has a good relationship with two guys in the transfer portal that could come in and start for your team, uh, might as well go with that guy. Yeah. And then last bit of football news, the early enrollees are on campus. And of course that includes the man himself, Luther Burden. Um, they are starting classes and they're going to be involved with the football program as soon as spring practices start. That's very exciting. Uh, February 25th. Basically just an excuse for me to say the words Luther Burden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> February 25th, I believe it is the first spring practice. And then the spring it's a cold game, spring. Yeah. Spring game is like March 19th or something like That's that. That's what I heard. Seems early. Seems yeah. really early. Um, it's normally like mid or to late April. So I, I probably can't come early enough considering the other, uh, main revenue sport and how it's going lately. It's going great. We just beat Ole Miss, dude. Well, now that you mentioned it, that's the next thing we have to talk about. Uh, Mizzou basketball. Actually, we're going to back up a little bit because the most recent thing that happened that we haven't talked about was the absolute massacre uh, that happened when uh, Mizzou got blown out by Arkansas, 87 to 43. We don't really need to talk too much um, about this game. You know what, Cameron? I'm going to, I have a secret. Yeah, let's hear it. And um, we were at the Tournament of Champions um, last weekend or whenever this game happened. Yeah. So we missed the game. We were, we were busy doing other things, our other duties and i just decided i wasn't gonna go back and watch this game okay so i have no idea what happened in this game i didn't watch a single second of it that's very rare for me to miss an entire game of mizzou basketball but i figured this one maybe just wasn't worth my time you're telling me you had other obligations which is understandable and then you saw that they got beat 87 to 43 and you didn't go back and watch it it at least that's one time that's exactly correct yeah that's uh that's unacceptable (laughs) honestly kyle um yeah no you didn't miss anything they got down by a lot early i think at one point the score was 24 to 3 yeah i was following along with the score actually i think yeah i think it was like 30 to 5 yeah at one point maybe yeah it's pretty good my goodness like what how how 
Yeah. This team beat Alabama like a week ago, a week and a half ago. Well, we're just going to move on from that Arkansas game. Okay. Because there's two games since then that are actually a little bit more pleasant to talk about. They should have beat Texas A&M, but they lost 67 to 64. And at least they didn't get blown out, but they had a double digit lead, um, you know, in the second half. It was not sort of like the epic collapse that we've seen, you know, multiple times in the Conzo Martin era, Mm -hmm. but it was just, uh, they just couldn't do enough with Texas A&M's ineptitude early to take advantage because I think the game started out like 12-0 Mizzou and it should have easily been 20 to nothing. Like, a&M kept having empty possessions over and over and over. And Mizzou just kind of, I don't know, they just weren't really playing well. Mm-hmm. So they were just kind of doing okay, and that resulted in a you know, 12-0 run to start the game. But if they're just executing you know, at an average or above average level, then this is a blowout that I don't think Texas A&M can come back in. Yeah, it's kind of crazy uh, how many games that Mizzou's played this year that have been like either maybe like the worst game I've ever watched, uh, like historically bad for Mizzou basketball, and then they'll follow it up with like a twenty-five point win against you know uh, you know whatever against Ole Miss or whoever. They'll they'll follow it up with like a fantastic performance, but this game was like right in the middle where you know it was they played well enough to probably win and didn't um, against a pretty good A&M team at home though. They should, they really probably need to win this game. Um, and I don't know, man, I guess what I'd say about it is I'm never going to, I'm never going to root for the team to lose. Um, I think most people probably at this point are, most fans are probably ready to move on from Conzo Martin at this point. And we've talked about this. I think most people probably know how we feel about Conzo Martin. I think we're probably ready to turn the page there too. Uh, but I'm never, ever going to root for Missouri to lose a game. But if you want to look at this, the only positive maybe you can get from losing this game is you can look back at it as like a game that Missouri should win. It's an argument for why Conta Martin probably should not stay around. And because it's those games that you've got to pull out at home, you've got to figure out how to close out when you are ahead 90% of the game. Um, it's just something you can point to and say, that game has to be a W and I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, there's, it is a weird feeling like there's some Mizzou fans that like at the first sign of a coach struggling, I don't know. I think maybe they want to, and it's probably not just Mizzou fans, obviously sports fans in general. Um, I don't know. Maybe they, never really they never really bought in to a a certain coach i feel like there's fans that just choose to not buy in with a coach until they like do something incredible blow them away yeah and those fans are just kind of always waiting for it all to unravel and so they've never bought in they're ready for a coach they can buy in on so when it starts to go bad, they just want it to go as bad as possible so that we can move on as quickly as possible. And that results in literally rooting for them to lose. Yeah. I mean, I can understand just making it a very clear cut decision whenever yeah. that time is, is comes. I mean, and that's like, you know, in a, in a vacuum, like 
I understand where that type of person is coming from, but it's too, I mean, that's like how you would act in like a video game or something where nothing matters and you can just tank and like, there's no actual consequences, Mm -hmm. but in the real world, that's just not realistic. Right. Winning is still the best thing that can happen. Right. And, uh, and there, but there does come a point and I feel like for you and I specifically, it's going to be later than maybe the average fan where we're going to get to a point where it's like, okay, this team, there's a, there's a record that this team could have at the end of the year that would actually be, you know, seen as a decent season that could actually be detrimental to the long-term success of the program. But at the same time, if you do, if you're talking like that, then you're kind of trying to predict the future a little bit and who's to say if they turn this season around and um, it's deemed a success by whoever, by the athletic department or whoever, and they decide to keep Gonzo around, maybe that would be the best thing for the, for the program really doesn't seem like it right now. So um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to be treating the season like the best thing for the program is to have a new coach next year. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can't bring myself to actually root for them to lose. No, for sure. And I mean, there there are, are things to like about Mizzou's current team. I mean, uh, there's some talented freshmen. Aiden Shaw is coming in next year. Um, the transfers th- seem like maybe they're starting to, j- to gel a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, I mean, obviously the best case scenario in my mind at this very moment in time feels like we have a new coach with maintaining almost all of the current players they have because i do think that there's you can work with what we have and maybe adding a few couple of uh, a couple of other pieces um would certainly help uh you know a a three-point shooting guard or something like somebody you know if we had a three-point shooting guard right now i think Mm -hmm. this team would be a lot better it would probably solve a lot of issues and we saw that whenever mizzou wins it's because they just shoot a little bit better right (laughs) so and it solves a lot of the the incompetence they have on offense so um it's it's a complex ever-changing situation right now and it's it's a roller coaster so i want to bring up a an area where i feel like this team and the coaching staff are shooting themselves in the foot a little bit and that is with kobe brown and his minutes with regards to his foul situation in like game to game it seems like every single game a topic of conversation with the commentating crew is when Kobe Brown picks up his second foul in the first half, what should the coaching staff do with him? And I've reached the point in this season where I would rather see him foul out of a game because you give him too many minutes than keep giving him, you know, 25 ish minutes because you don't, because you're scared he'll foul out because the fact of the matter is he, in his, two and a half seasons at Missouri so far, he has fouled out of two games. And one of those games, he was in foul trouble from the very beginning and was only like played like 17 minutes because he just kept fouling. So I feel like let him prove to you that he can be out there and be serviceable without fouling out. Mm -hmm. And if he, we're not in a situation where him fouling out, of a game because you left him out there too long is going to like derail the entire season. So I'd say just give him a shot of playing through foul trouble 
and see what happens a few times because I'm tired of him being on the bench more than he should be. Yeah, um, I agree with you. And uh, I think that was the something Cornell man was quoted on uh, maybe after the Kentucky game, I think was the one game he was the head coach for. Mm-hmm. And somebody asked him about taking Kobe Brown out whenever he, you know, got in, he got his third foul or something like that. And he specifically mentioned wanting to have Kobe available at the end of the game. Well, he got to the end of the game and it didn't matter because we were getting destroyed. And yeah, I think you just let Kobe play, like kind of learn how to play in foul trouble and learn how to play avoiding fouls and play, maybe changing up how you have to play I mean, in order to do so. I mean, I feel like that's valuable for him to be able to learn how to do that. And it, he just gets yanked every single time he gets his second foul. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're eventually going to put him back in the game with two fouls mm-hmm. and he's still going to have to play without fouling mm-hmm. or else you know, then you're going to be looking at a game like where he fouls out in 17 minutes. Like he, he has already shown he's capable of doing that to some extent because he's not like constantly in foul trouble, but I feel like the staff is overthinking it a little bit maybe and being like worried about it prematurely or something. I don't know. Well, at least when he goes out, um, Jordan Wilmore gets to come in. That's thankfully not true. <laughs> Yeah, uh, has Jordan Wilmore played the last couple games? I don't think he. I don't think he has. No, I don't think so. Um, Trayvon he, Brazil, kind of the rise of of Brazil has been really really nice with uh, not having to play Wilmore at all. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've talked about it a couple times now, but obviously not offering a ton on offense. But I'm okay with where he's at on offense for a true freshman. Um, you know. Uh, having only played you know what 10 games or so now at the college level mm-hmm. and uh with what he brings on defense then you just have to have him out there as much as possible yeah like I, I don't have the I, i'm gonna try to find like the mizzou freshman single season blocks record but he's got to be headed towards that yeah his ability to block shots is unreal yeah and just having that kind of back line defense honestly that helps kobe brown a lot when he maybe is in foul trouble um he doesn't have to feel like he you know has to sell out with his defender on every play if you got a guy behind you that can clean things up a little bit Mm -hmm. and uh statistically brazil is one of our better three-point shooters yeah like very low sample size but i think he's like four for nine from three or something yeah i i think you can maybe more easily than anybody in the roster you can see the potential for Brazil and how he can be dominant potentially mm-hmm. in a season or two whenever he gets really comfortable. And um, I don't know, he's going to be really fun to watch. And I just pray to God he sticks around if there is a coaching change. Yeah. Um, let's see here. So we lost to Arkansas and Texas A&M, but then a huge bounce back game, just kind of out of nowhere on the road at Ole Miss. Ole Miss, not a good team. Uh, 119 on Kempom now, uh, but Missouri just cruised to a, a win, 78 to 53. It got a little bit closer than that uh, towards the end, but Missouri just pulled away. Um, and most of, on the back of Amari Davis's perfect game, 10 for 10 uh, from the field and three for three from the free throw line. He had 23 points. Yeah, I mean we've talked about this season at, at some point. It's the seasons felt so lost that we were just like 
just let the young players play. It doesn't even matter. I don't even care. Just let the young players get experience because that's the only positive we can get from this season. And it's not like we're too totally far from that, but I mean, does it look like the transfers, I mean, are starting to gel a little bit? Um, I mean, they've had over half the season now to play together. We've seen them at their worst, that's for sure. But um, did we give up on them a little too early? Uh, I think the Arkansas game is still pretty recent. It's still pretty, it's still pretty recent. Uh, Missouri as a team shot 38% from two and 13% from three in that game. Um, I mean, Amari Davis had zero points in 22 minutes of action. So I don't know. Um, then, but then you fast forward to this Ole Miss game, and I mean, obviously Davis goes off, but he looks just like so comfortable out there. Yeah, and he looks like every shot he takes is going to go in. Um, Coleman had 13 rebounds, and he was kind of uh, distributing the ball pretty well. Um, Ronnie DeGray has been efficient the last couple games when he's been on the floor. So if we can get if we can just not get blown out by 20 plus points in the next three games, then that'll go a long way for me feeling like the transfers are starting to come together a little bit and have some hope down the stretch that maybe Missouri can upset a team or two. Yeah. Missouri only took seven point seven three pointers in this game, went four for seven. Bogey Coleman had eight points, 13 rebounds, seven assists. Yeah. So, uh, I think I saw somebody on Twitter said he kind of had a Drew Smith kind of game. Yeah. Just filling the stat sheet. Um, I do think that uh, maybe we gave up on them a little bit too early. Um, I I don't think that – I mean, they're not going to be, like, great players. Missouri – I don't think they're going to be uh, – Missouri is not going to be great while these players are, are here necessarily. But I don't know that there is – this team maybe not – be as totally bad as we thought maybe at one point it's just the roller coaster thing man i don't, I don't know it's like i they kind of reel me back in and then all of a sudden they lose about 40 points so i just don't really know what to what to make of it anymore well i think i do still think that a lot of mizzou fans um are stuck thinking that a bad program just like your run-of-the-mill bad basketball program is what we experienced in the cam anderson days like that that's like a floor that's like an acceptable floor for a program now y- you listeners i know you're thinking no there's no way i think that's acceptable but remember that we should not be comparing any other coach or any other year to anything that happened under kim anderson like the kim anderson days are so far below what the floor should be for mizzou basketball that it should be basically be disregarded as far as like in in statistically speaking yeah just like comparing a season under any other coach to kim anderson days if you're doing that at all and saying that it's like even close to as bad yeah then it's really really bad before the kim anderson era this type of season and a couple of the other seasons that we've had under conzo martin are the floor for this mizzou basketball program I mean, you don't see years much worse ever than when you're losing to 300-level Kimpom teams. 
and you're going to struggle to be above the bottom four teams in the SEC. Like we shouldn't really be having conversations about trying to avoid the play-in game in the SEC tournament. But unfortunately, we've been there a few times recently. So I don't know. I just feel like when talking about this squad and whether they can be successful at Mizzou, I think we, I think for me personally, I sometimes have to recalibrate what I see as a success because for some reason I start to think that like, well, this isn't as bad as the Kim Anderson days, but that's not necessarily a good thing. It just being better than that is not saying much, obviously. So I don't know. I think, uh, I think the transfers obviously show potential. Um, it's rare that they can, they all figure it out on the same night, but they did it against Alabama. They've now done it against Ole Miss, but your run of the mill, bad Mizzou basketball team should be able to upset a few teams along the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brazil had two more blocks in the, uh, Ole Miss game, his timing and just like jumping ability and his his wingspan is ridiculous. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, he could be a special shot blocker uh, for years to come. Um, Mizzou's Kempom rating has been just going <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So uh, it was 161 before the Alabama game. Got a big win. It went to 149. Then after the loss to Arkansas, it went to 171. And then now after the Ole Miss game, it's 137. So it has been going back and forth like crazy. It's volatile. Yes. The offense is at 181. The defense, 116. So still pretty bad. Uh, Before we talk about the upcoming games, how, I guess an easier way to think about the team maybe is, is this team closer to the team that blew out Ole Miss on the road? Or is this closer? Is this team closer to the team that got blown out by Arkansas? Do you think? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, You're honestly, not allowed to say they're the team that almost beat Texas A&M but didn't. <laughs> honestly, well, I mean, I I really didn't watch the Arkansas game, so I can't honestly even say what happened in that game. But I still feel like that may be my answer that they're maybe more inclined to be closer to to that team uh they still are awful at shooting most of the time if they commit to shooting like single digit three pointers every game i mean did we see a kind of strategic change that might continue going forward i don't know that's got me a little bit optimistic i'll be honest yeah um they shot uh 64 from two against Ole Miss. yeah that was unreal and a lot of that was was amari davis and his kind of uncanny ability to to score in you know long two type situations, I feel like he he made a couple of long twos that were almost threes if he took like one step back. But um, he's, he's got to keep doing that though. He's got to keep yeah. when he's in rhythm. He's comfortable with those two point shots. He's got to just keep firing them. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, there I really genuinely feel like they're just like right in the middle of those performances. And I knew that you said I couldn't say that, <laughs> but that's kind of how I feel. Ooh, I one. I guess I'll say there is more like the Arkansas game. Yeah, just because the shooting, uh, yeah, is so unreliable. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you. And obviously, I think that they could definitely prove me wrong. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they 
if they gel though and kind of just are have a better second half of the year than the first and obviously that's not saying a lot but i yeah. think they can improve well one thing that makes me say closer to the arkansas game is that's not the first game this season that they've just been absolutely outclassed and blown out yeah i mean they were borderline blown out in the umkc game but they absolutely were destroyed against uh florida state kansas liberty illinois liberty and uh and uh did i say kentucky no i mean yeah they just they just get blown out they don't it's really weird i was actually um i had a little bit of a project where i was like trying to figure out the three worst losses of any season going back like through the kim anderson era and missouri's three losses against kansas illinois and kentucky those the average on those was worse than all but one year um as far as like kim anderson plus conzo martin eras combined and the kentucky game didn't even feel that bad i mean they no. I, they almost like it was single digits like multiple times throughout yeah in the first half they like stormed back and almost took the lead or something at one point and I, uh, I was a little late to the party there because I thought, like, this is a lot of blowouts early in the game or early in the season. And, you know, like, we weren't even halfway through the season and we were already, like, had the three worst losses. Like, we shouldn't be having worse losses than those three, basically. And then the Arkansas game comes. And now the average deficit from the worst three losses this year is worse than any other season that I could find on Kim Palm. Yeah, that doesn't but other me. people have kind of caught up to that trend. I, I don't think I'm. Uh, that's not news exactly. Um, I think you invented it. <laughs> I did see uh, somebody else talking about it on Twitter, so I, I think I missed my chance to be real uh, on the up and up with that. Anyway, um, yeah, Kim Palm ratings all over the place. Uh, offense rating still 181, not great, and. Um, this coming Saturday, Alabama gets an opportunity to extract revenge because we're traveling to Tuscaloosa and, um, extract revenge. Yeah, I think so. Exact revenge. Yeah. That's, uh, that's also the word that I was, should have been trying to well, say. One of those. Oh, we know what you meant. I'm not 100% there, sure, honestly. No, yeah. you're, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> um, be, because this, the loss to Missouri is like going to drop Alabama down like an entire seed in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Yeah. So they're going to want revenge. I, I saw believe. Alabama did beat LSU uh, the other night. But, yeah, I think um, this is probably going to be an ugly game. And Alabama's going to play better defense in this game, I would I would assume. Um, they kind of stumbled a little bit, starting with the Mizzou loss. They then, I mean, they lost to Auburn. It was a pretty close game. Auburn's really, really good. And then they lost to Mississippi State. Uh, but then they bounce back with a win against LSU. So they're still um, 16th in Kempom, uh, 10th best offense, and uh, they're the 23rd fastest tempo in the country. So, yeah, surely they will get out and run again, and I could see them putting up uh, 86 points again but not letting Mizzou score 92. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see. I, I could definitely see them scoring eighty six and Missouri scoring something like sixty five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, then 
Missouri is back home against the number two team in the country. Some think should be number one. They should be. Auburn. Auburn is really, really good. They are 17-1 and one on the season, 6-0 and oh in the SEC, number seven in Kempom, 15th on offense, 8th on defense, 56th fastest tempo. And um, their roster is just absurd. So they've got maybe the best freshman in the country in um, Jabari Smith. He's a 6'10 forward who is also shooting 44% from three. He also handles the ball and drives to the basket like a guard. Um, They have a big man transfer from North Carolina, Walker Kessler. He's shooting 73% from two and is the best shot blocker in the country. He's seven foot one. Better than Brazil? Yes. They're going to have like a, like a block off. They a block party. Are going to have a block party. Uh, I would say that uh, Kessler will come out, come out on top of that. I think Kessler will block Brazil a couple times, honestly. <laughs> it probably won't happen the other way around. And then they have uh, sophomore point guard Wendell Green, who you may have heard of. Yeah, his name's familiar because he was in the transfer portal last season. Yeah. And he was a guy I really hoped Missouri uh, landed, and obviously he didn't. No, uh, Auburn got him. <laughs> and yeah, transferred from Eastern Kentucky. He He's is really, really good. Uh, one of the best distributors at point guard in the country, also shooting 35% from three, uh, draws a lot of fouls, makes his free throws. But, I mean, his, his assists are honestly pretty easy a lot of the time because Kessler's shooting 72% uh, from two, and he just dunks the ball all the time. And then Jabari Smith can make shots from everywhere. So you kind of just got to give him the ball, and it'll uh, oftentimes find itself in the basket. So I don't know. Um, They're just really good all over the floor. Uh, Top 10 defense. You know, when you're talking about a top-tier point guard, um, an excellent scorer on the wing, and just a dominant finisher down low and rim protector, that's kind of the three-headed monster that is going to like put you in the final four. Like if you were going to construct a college basketball team to go all the way, those are the three spots you would want. You know, a distributing point guard, a, a finishing rim protector down low, and a, a long three-point shooting forward who can drive the ball. Like that a coach, a coach who, who uh, cheats. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't hurt. That does not hurt. Um, yeah. Got all the pieces. Yeah. So watch out. Uh, Missouri's going to, you know, maybe that, not look so good that's in That's going to be one of those games, though, that Missouri somehow is in, and it makes no they, sense. It, they do have to come to Columbia. So um, Missouri has looked a bit better at home than they have on the road this year, yeah, for it sure. Would be, it would be cool if uh, we could get a nice crowd for that one. Maybe the students show up i mean i feel like the students have been attending the games pretty well for how bad the product has been at times shockingly well yeah so that would be that could be a fun one yeah might as well show up and watch you know maybe a couple nba players play yeah um so will missouri have a better margin of defeat on the road 
against Alabama or at home against Auburn? I was literally going to ask you, like, what's a tougher game? Uh, I think the margin of defeat will be greater against Alabama. I agree. Um, it's weird because, like, obviously Missouri already beat Alabama. But There's something about playing on the road in college basketball, man. Yeah. It's like I can't believe they beat Ole Miss, first of all, on the right. road. I yeah, just was like, that's a loss because it's on the road. Bizarre. Uh, but and in a game where Alabama's out for revenge against a team that's legitimately uh, a top fifteen caliber team uh, on the road, yeah, this is this is a certain loss and it could be ugly. Yeah, I agree, and I think uh, it's possible that Auburn maybe overlooks Missouri a little bit, and maybe they're a little bit, you know, sleepy um, traveling to Columbia, and Missouri hangs around, maybe makes a little bit closer than they should. Um, and uh, between now and then, Auburn plays Kentucky uh, at home. So that's uh, their biggest game of the season so far. So maybe they'll, uh, if they win that, they'll be, you know, hyped up. Right high. Yep. Maybe Missouri can kind of sneak in there and make it closer than it should be. Unfortunately, though, I got to predict losses on both of those. I think we speculated at some point in the last couple weeks, like, uh, is there anything that Missouri could do t- for Conzo to keep his job and are is it even worth talking about what they would have to do to like sneak onto the NCAA tournament bubble and after doing a little bit of research I have concluded personally for myself yes there is something they could do to for Conzo to keep his job you know but there's no way they're getting even anywhere close to the NCAA bubble um, even if they, you know, spectacularly finish like a game above 500 in SEC play, that UMKC loss is is going to keep them out of the tournament no matter what, I think. Yeah, I'm afraid um, it's not going to be as clear of a decision as the fan base thinks it's going to be uh, for the for the athletic department when it comes to the end of the season. And I know something that fans don't really care about is finances, but that's something that the athletic department does think about is that six million number is very large. Now, if they've got a, you know, a donor <laughs> that says here you go, then that's one thing. But you know, we don't, we don't. I don't really know how easy that would be to to get six million dollars organically like that. It, it seems to me like it'd be easier to. Uh, get some donations when you have like a specific goal of like we gotta pay for this buyout Mm -hmm. versus asking for contributions to a program with a coach that seems like he's on his way out but you're still gonna stick with him and the fan base is kind of you know yeah, you gotta a give of, him a bit of a malaise. Yeah, you gotta give him a like, nice word. Thanks, I had to make up for that. Yeah, that was good. Early. No, you you gotta give him like an emotional reason to put their money f- towards something very specific that they yeah. care about, and this could be obviously something that 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 falls in that category. Um, I just think it's very possible that Mizzou uh, plays well down the stretch. <laughs> so I don't know. There, yeah. hey, there's a lot of intrigue though with with what's going to happen. Just go back. If you're out there and you're thinking, uh, this isn't so bad. Remember the, remember the Kim Anderson era? This isn't so bad. Pretend like the Kim Anderson era didn't happen and go look at the 10 years before that yeah. and look at where these some of these seasons fall. Yeah. 
Yeah, don't use Cam Anderson as a measuring stick. Only bring you pain. <laughs> All right, well, uh, brighter days ahead, hopefully. Maybe not right around the corner, but eventually. That all we got for this week? That's all I got. Um, do you want to thank the Yeah, thank a the special folks? thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Lee, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Louis Hernandez, Tim Keens, and Tyler Harsel. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. We love you. And you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, missourisportspod.bigcartel.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.